If you have your Bibles, will you turn with me to a number of passages? The first one is in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And we want to consider this morning the growing Christian. The growing Christian. This pilgrim life, the growing Christian. So in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 15 and 16. The Apostle Paul writes to the church at Ephesus and he says, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ. Notice, we are to grow up in every way into Him, that's Christ. Verse 16, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And you notice that Paul, uh, beginning verse 15, ending verse 16, talks about love and sandwiched in between speaking the truth in love and building the church up in love is this little phrase about growing, growing. We are to grow and the church is also to grow. Now, let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. We will come back to these as we look at the subject. 1 Peter chapter 2, James, 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2. <coughs> we'll just read uh, verse 2 and 3. So 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2 and 3. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Like newborn infants, babies, long for milk, so we too long for pure spiritual milk. Why? That we might grow up into salvation. And then, 2 Peter chapter 3 in the last verse of chapter 3, last verse in the epistle, very famous verse, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. May God bless to us the reading of His Word. Let's just pray together. <coughs> Father, as we come to receive Your Word, this bread of life, feed us, we pray, that we might grasp, each one of us, and understand that You desire us to be growing Christians. So help us to see what that's like and how we can become and grow more and more, become like Jesus. So we thank you for these things and ask your blessing upon the preaching of your word for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When you read your Bible, your New Testament, you discover that we are called, that is believers or Christians, are called saints. That's the designation. We are marked out as saints. And we all know that a saint is someone who is holy. That's the meaning of the word. The Apostle Paul on some occasions also tells us that we have been called to be saints. So we are called saints, meaning designated saints, and then he says we are called to be saints. And what's the difference between the two? On the one hand, when he says you are a saint, he means that is what you are. That's how God sees you, set apart, holy, a saint. But then when he says you are called to be saints, he is telling us that that's something we ought to be, that we should be. So on the one hand, you discover as far as God is concerned, that He looks at us and sees us as His saints, His people, His holy ones. But when you look at your own life, you recognize that there are deficiencies, that there is lack, 
that you are not what you should be. You are not what you ought to be. And so that's why I want to talk about this morning this, this subject, the growing Christian. I don't think a person can ever be a Christian without experiencing growth. Anybody who is a Christian is in a process, a developmental process, a spiritual process of growing. And so to be a Christian immediately puts me into this process, this situation of growing. When I say that growing or growth is a process, I mean by that that on the one hand it has a beginning, right? So it starts somewhere. But then, because it's growing, it develops from that beginning. And it begins to to develop and it begins to grow and so on. So there is a beginning. And for the Christian, that's when I became a Christian. From the moment I became a Christian, I am to be developing. I am to be growing. I am to be experiencing this process. If you take some seeds, tomato seeds or flower seeds, and you, you put them in water or in soil, and then you water them, you recognize that when they come up, that they have sprouted, and then begins the period of growth. And we all understand that process. There's that seed. It has life within its kernel, but that's not growth. It's only when you put it in the soil and water it and fertilize it, that it comes up, and you see that it has grown, and then you begin to observe the development of the flower. When children become adults, they are said to be grown-ups. They are no longer childlike or children that are immature, but supposed to be, because they are adults, they are grown-up. We often say that we have stopped growing when we become adults or when we reach maturity. That's on a physical level. We all recognize that. I'm not going to become six foot six. I wish I could, but it's not going to happen. So there's no more growth from that point of view, right? In fact, there's only decline, okay? But on the spiritual side, on the spiritual level, that's not the case at all. I am never going to reach a point where I can say I've arrived. I am a mature Christian who has grown and reached the end. No, we all know that I'm in this process, you're in this process, until we get to glory. So I am in a growing process that began when I became a Christian and will last until I go home to be with the Lord. So it's a lifelong process. It's not just for a few months and then I've arrived. No, it's all my life. So my entire life as a Christian is suffused by this growing process. Becoming something different. And there are different kinds of growth, right? We all recognize that. I mean, there's physical growth, there's mental growth, there's emotional growth, there's spiritual growth, and so on. And the Christian is always, always to be a growing person, a growing Christian. Spiritual growth, then, we can say, is a process. It begins at our salvation, and it will end at our glorification. This growing as we experience now. It's lifelong. You can't get out of it. You're in it. And you ought to be growing. Now we all recognize that growth can be different. Slow growth. Medium growth. Fast growth. Different stages of growth. Uh, I've discovered that when people become Christians, they are hungry. They've never fed on the Word of God. So they begin to feed and feast. And their growth is like is exponential. It just takes off, right? And then they kind of plateau after a while. And then they get down to what life is all about, really. The joy, the extraordinary wonder of transformation and grace and the gospel becomes something now up here where I am, okay, why are all these things happening to me? And you go through this change. But you're all still, and I'm still, in the process of growth, in this process of change. It's always going to be with me. So when we talk about, I want to grow as a Christian, what do I mean by that? I simply mean by that, I want to be transformed. I want to be, as Paul says, changed from one glory into another glory. 
I want to go from where I am and change in a process where I am transformed to be what I am ought to be or supposed to be as God says it. So being transformed is not overnight. Yes, in salvation, transformation has taken place. But transformation in sanctification is an ongoing, lifelong process. Do you remember how the Apostle Paul put it in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2? If you want to be transformed, you are transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. It's a mind process. I must think differently. My thinking must change. I cannot think as I used to think. In fact, because I have the Spirit, I'm able to think spiritually and spiritual thoughts and in spiritual ways. And because we talk about the fact that growth is a process and transformation is a process, it requires the one thing you all have right now, and that is time. You have time. Now may, God may take you today. Therefore, time is up. But we all recognize I'm in a process, and a process always involves time, because I never arrive at maturity tomorrow. I'm going to, Lord willing, when I go to be with Christ, have reached that transformation to its fullest potential as I ought to. So I want to suggest to you this morning that when we think about growing as a Christian, about spiritual growth, there are three things that I would suggest to you that we must keep in mind when we talk about spiritual growth. Number one. The first thing is what I call the means of growth. The means of spiritual growth. What do I mean by the means? How do I start growing as a Christian? The means of spiritual growth. How do I start growing as a Christian? Number two, the method. The method of spiritual growth or the method of growth. What do I mean by that? How can I keep on growing? So the first one... The means, how I start growing, but the method is how I keep on growing. The method. Thirdly, I want to talk about the marks of spiritual growth. What will I look like? What change will be observable? What should I be growing into? And you recognize when I talk about this, the start, the keeping, growing, and what does it look, look like, that that's a process that's observable. Now, I know from my own experience that growth is possible. And I also recognize in some Christians that there is this incredible growth that has taken place. And then you also recognize when you listen to other Christians that perhaps the growth has not been what it ought to be. Because they say things that are not in accord with the Word of God. So there we recognize that because it's a process, it's something I can change, it's something that I can adapt to, it's something that I can learn about and learn from, and so on. So I want to begin then with the means, the means of spiritual growth. What do we mean by the means? Well, I mean simply, what's available to me? What can I use? What is available to me so that I can start growing? I've been a Christian for, I have to think about this, 52 years, nearly, 52 years. That's a long time. I trust by God's grace that from the start, 1970, to now, there's been some change. And I pray, and I really need to pray, that there'd be more change and quicker change because I feel I'm so far behind. Right? We're in a process. So what means are available to me? Where can I go to, to look to starting my spiritual growth? In fact, I would suggest to you that any time you think about growing as a Christian, this is where you start, the means. Number one, I must go to the source. The source for spiritual growth. And what is the source of my spiritual growth? It is God. Now, for instance, if... If I go in my backyard and I see some oil oozing out of the ground, I'm not really interested in the oozing oil. I want to go to the source. That's where it is. All the oil, right? Which means I get the drill, the oil, there's the rig, and down I go. And guess what? Hopefully, pew, up comes the, all the oil. Not just the little oil that's oozing on the surface, but I must go to the source because that's where all the oil is. The evidence I see is just coming up, but I want 
the source. And that's what it is in our spiritual growth. We must go to God. Now, you know, there's so many helps uh, available, and I think, in fact, there are far too many helps available. People listening to too many preachers, listening to too much information, or reading too many books, perhaps, if that's possible. Uh, All of that kind of thing is just feeding, 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 feeding. But is it right and profitable for you? Or is it putting into your mind all kinds of things that raise all kinds of questions? In fact, a Christian should very quickly settle all questions in their mind by a simple reading of God's Word. All the issues, all the major stuff should be settled very quickly in a Christian's life. So that there are not these vacillations throughout life, changes and questions and so on. Well, where am I going to go? I go to the source for my spiritual growth, and it is God. When I say God, I mean the God of the Bible, right? I mean God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And I don't mean anybody else and anything else. I mean the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit who has come and been given to us, who proceeds from both the Father and the Son. And why do I think of that? Or go to God? Because I recognize my salvation begins with God. In fact, it's God who began my salvation. He who began a good work in you will bring it to fruition or to completion. So I recognize it's God who did something in my life. God suddenly stopped me in my tracks like the Apostle Paul. In fact, that's what conversion is. It's a sudden change. It's regeneration. So when we talk about the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, we recognize that this broad theme, salvation, is from the Father, from the Son, and from the Holy Spirit. That what has happened to me has come to me by virtue of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And each member, person of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, are occupied with their various functions in the Trinity to bring about my complete salvation. So the Father, for example, is, is uh, the one who elects and predestines. And the Lord Jesus Christ is the one who redeems and who brings us to salvation. And we recognize that the Holy Spirit is the the one who applies redemption to us. So my calling and my regeneration are of the Spirit and my justification and my adoption and then my sanctification and my glorification all come back to the source of my salvation, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So I must always go to the source to understand how am I going to grow? I have to go to God, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. In fact, in this Ephesians 4 passage, in verse 15, we are to grow up into Him who is the head, that is Christ. And when you boil that down, it's like I am to be like Christ. I am to grow up into Him who is the head of this body. And so I am to grow into Christ. So I start with the source, but... I also have something else available to me, the means, and that is the supplies. Not just the source, but the supplies. And the supplies come from the source. The supplies come from God. So what are my supplies? What is available to me to help me grow spiritually? Let me give you four of them. You know them all. Number one, the Word of God. Number one, the Word. Number two, your prayer life, praying. Number three, fellowship. What we do this morning when we talk to each other, when we're with each other. And number four, the ordinances, which we have just done this morning, the breaking of bread. And I want to show you that in the Bible as the authoritative statement. So will you turn back with me to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. This is the Apostle Peter's great sermon on the day of Pentecost. And you remember how there's a consequence to his preaching, right? Men and, and, uh, and others are cut to their heart. What shall we do? What does he say? Repent and believe. And then you'll notice that in verse 41, it says, so, this is Acts chapter 2, verse 41, So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Now just think about that for a moment. You got 3,000. 
3,000 new Christians on your hands. 3,000 of them. I worry about just one person. 3,000. Suddenly, these 12 men, the 12 apostles who are there, are confronted by a mass conversion of 3,000 people who are now 3,000 brand new Christians. Well, how are they going to go? How are they going to develop? Look at the next verse. Verse 42. And they, the 3,000 souls, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's the word, right? To doctrine. And they devoted themselves to fellowship. Notice it's the fellowship. The church, the congregation. God's people. And then it says, to the breaking of bread. That's what we did this morning, right? And the prayers. Notice it's not just you pray as a Christian, but there is the prayers. This gathering of the church, the body of Christ, who pray together. Mr. Spurgeon said that prayer is the driving engine of a church. The prayer. The prayers of God's people. So notice then, they devoted themselves. What does that mean? They committed themselves, right? No hindrances. In fact, in the text, a few verses on, day to day, they went house to house, breaking bread, worshipping God, having everything in common, and all those kinds of things. They devoted themselves to the Word of God, they devoted themselves to their prayer life, they devoted themselves to fellowship, and they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. Those four supplies are available to every Christian. There is not one Christian that cannot avail themselves of those supplies. And not only that, not only available to every Christian, but they are available to me for my entire life. My entire life. Do you really thank God for His Word? Do you really thank God that you can actually pray to the Lord? Do you really thank God that you can gather with God's people and enjoy rich fellowship? Do you really thank God that it's a privilege to come on this Lord's Day and break the bread and drink from the cup together? You see, these are available to us. These are the supplies that God has given to us. Now listen, you're either committed to that or not. You're either devoted, like they were, to that or not. Is the or are these supplies yours? Now look, your life may be sporadic, and that's, I think, true of all of us. But whatever you are, and wherever you find yourself on the spiritual spectrum in your growth, these are the supplies that are available to every single believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And they are available to me for my growth. So what is the word like? Well, the word's like bread, isn't it? The bread of life. It's like manna from heaven in the wilderness for the Old Testament Israelites. It feeds them. It satisfies them. It it keeps them alive. It keeps them developing, growing every day. That's what the word of God is like to your life. It is food for your soul. And what about praying? Praying is, as we saw last week, communicating with God, talking with God. And so I I have the privilege of receiving from God what He has spoken, what He has said in His Word, and I respond to what God has said by praying. I tell Him. I talk to Him. What a privilege, right? To have communion with God. Not only that, but so grateful we ought to be for one another because we stir one another up or ought to stir one another up to love and good deeds so that our fellowship is an edifying process, a building up of each other. Now, if you absent yourself from the fellowship of the saints, you're not being edified. You're not getting the word. You're not praying like you ought to as the early church did. And if you were to... Take yourself away from the ordinances, the Lord's Supper. Then you are in disobedience to the command of Christ to remember Him. And remember, the word remember is an imperative. Do this in remembrance of me. So, these are my supplies. If I want to grow as a Christian, I want to start my growth. I mean, some Christians have never thought about growing. How do I grow? This is how you grow. God is the source And these are the supplies, His Word, the prayers, the fellowship, and the breaking of bread. That's what's available to me, the means. 
But what action should I take? What activity should I engage in that shows that I am growing spiritually? What does that look like? Right? So secondly, let's talk about the method of spiritual growth. Now I want you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 2, which we read. So just go back, 1 Peter chapter 2. And verse 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, the method of spiritual growth. So, <clears throat> like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. So, notice it's a process, right? Because it has an end in sight. What is the end? What's the result? That you may grow up into salvation, right? So somehow you are going to do something that's going to take you, cause you to grow up into salvation. So it's a method, it's a process that's going to result, he says, in your growing up into salvation. Now when Peter says you should grow up into salvation, he's not talking about being saved. He's talking about demonstrating that you are saved. What does a saved person look like? What do they demonstrate? What do they show? So he's not referring to being saved or becoming saved, though of course he desires that. But he's talking about you showing that you are saved. Now isn't a growing Christian going to be doing that? They're going to be demonstrating that they are born of the Spirit, born, of, born again. Isn't that what Jesus meant by, by their fruits you shall know them. You will be able to observe fruit production, spiritual production in their lives that causes you to say, that person is of Christ. Or if there's no fruit, that person is not of Christ. But because we're in a growth process, therefore these things ought to be evident in our lives. And will you notice, by the way, that verse 2 by Peter here is contrasted with verse 1. And look at verse 1. Look at the activity of verse 1. So put away all malice. Notice he doesn't say malice. All malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Wow, five, five characteristics that characterize, there's no question, an unbeliever's life that can carry over into a Christian's life. Because Peter says it the way he does, so put away. Because you may have these things in your life. Put them out of your life. Put them away, these sinful practices, these sinful characteristics. You must deal with them and put them away. Well, how am I going to do that, Peter? That's verse 2. That's verse 2. But what does he say in verse 2? Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk. Now notice, what is my diet? My diet is called pure spiritual milk. Pure spiritual milk. And what is that going to do? That's going to produce growth. So my diet is something that's going to produce growth that ends in growing up into salvation. Growing up into salvation. So what activity, I know what's available to me, God, my source, all the supplies, the word and prayer, what activity should I engage in, what action should I take that's going to bring about and keep me growing? First of all, notice what Peter says, like newborn infants. He says something about your attitude to the milk. Your attitude to the pure spiritual milk. What should it be like? He says it should be like a newborn baby. And you all know what a newborn baby is like with milk, right? They've got to have it. They've got to have it. And you can't give them a steak, right? You can't give them a chopped up onion. Not going to work. They want one thing, one thing only. They want milk, and that's what they must be given. So my attitude is to be like a baby who longs, notice my appetite, secondly, so my attitude is like a newborn baby, and my appetite is longs for. And so if I've got my diet, pure spiritual milk, my attitude and my appetite is my desire for the diet. How hungry are you? Well, how thirsty are you for the diet, for the pure spiritual milk? You want to grow? You want to keep on growing? 
check your hunger levels. And check whether you are satisfying your hunger levels. If you're like a baby, a physical baby, they're going to weep and they're going to wail and wail and wail until you satisfy them. Why? They're longing for satisfaction. That's the Christian's attitude. I must long for, and my appetite long, when the word really means to yearn for milk, for pure spiritual milk. So, how can I keep on growing? Check your diet. What are you interested in? The word or something else? What's your diet? And then look at your desire for that diet. Check your attitude. Am I like a newborn infant always when I come to the Word? Hungry, starving? Do I, with my appetite, long yearn for that Word, that pure spiritual milk? I think most of us recognize or would say that the pure spiritual milk is the Word of God. I think I would say that. That is true. I think that's what Peter is referring to. And I'll show you why I think that. Because if you go back to chapter 1, just go back one chapter, and look at verse 22. So this is chapter 1, 1 Peter, verse 22. He says, You have purified your souls by your obedience to what? The truth. The truth. You have purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, which produces something. For a brotherly love, he says, or a sincere brotherly love, so therefore love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Now look at verse 23. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding Word of God. So you've been born again through the living and abiding Word of God. It's not a perishable thing, it's an imperishable thing. And then look at verse, end of verse, or verse 25. He says, But the Word of the Lord remains forever, and this Word... He says, is the good news that was preached to you. So put away. You see? Remember, there's no chapter breaks in the the original text. Okay, It just flows. So as Peter says, this word is the good news that was preached to you, that you have received, which is living and abiding, which purifies your soul. Since you have received that word, so put away all malice, all deceit, envy, slander, and hypocrisy, and so on. And then he just goes straight into, like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that they might grow up into salvation. So I think, I think there's strong reasons to say that the pure spiritual milk he's referring to here, the diet, is nothing less than the Word of God. Your Bible. The Word of God. Calvin has an interesting take on this. He sees the pure milk as God's life-sustaining grace in Christ. God's life-sustaining grace in Christ, which Calvin says enables you to put away all slander, all hypocrisy. So I can see that. That's a wider, broader application that comes from the work, the transforming grace-like work of Christ in the life of a Christian. When you read Psalm 19, right, you remember how the law of the Lord is like this. And you get all those descriptions about what the law of God is like. It is to be desired more than gold, more than fine gold or precious gold. It is like honey, right, sweeter than honey and the honeycomb. That's the law, the precepts, the promises, the statutes, the commandments, the testimonies, all of that. The Word, the Word is sweeter than honey. And of far more value than gold, than much fine gold. One of the complaints that the writer to the Hebrews had of those Hebrew Christians so long ago was that they were still feeding on the elementary principles of Christ. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 1. He says you've got to leave those behind and go on in the word to deeper things, to maturity is what he says. And you remember how Paul, when he looked at the Corinthians with all their squabbles, with all their divisions, with all their assertions of human wisdom and, and all of that, he looks at them and he says, you're still of the flesh. And because you're still of the flesh, I cannot give you solid food. I can't give you meat. I had to give you milk. And there the distinction is made that the feeding of the Apostle Paul or the teaching of the Apostle Paul was on this level, milk level. 
but not meat level, because you're not ready for it, he says. So the word even makes a distinction within itself between that which is for a baby, in one sense, always milk, but for maturity, it's going to be meat that we have to move to from milk. And he condemns the Corinthians for their fleshly attitudes and actions. So if I want to keep on growing as a Christian, what must I look at? I must look at my diet. What is my diet? It is the pure spiritual milk of the Word of God. It is the Word of God. That's what I feast on. Now you can learn all you like about what men say about the Bible. You can listen to thousands of preachers who say, like I am, things about the Bible. But you have an accountability to God to take His Word personally and read it like the Bereans to see if these things are actually true. And so, so you read Scripture for yourself. You feed on it. When I hear people say, well, so-and-so said and so-and-so said, I'm not really interested in that. I want to know, well, what did Jesus say? What did Paul say? What did Peter say? What did James say? What did Matthew say? Look how much I've got. What did Isaiah say? And on and on it goes. We are so taken up with a modern day penchant for celebrity because we think celebrity means authority. There is only one authority. It's not the preacher per se. It's the Word. It's the Word of God, right? So if I want to keep on growing, I must make sure that my diet is going to be good and it's going to be strong and it's going to be effective and you will not get better meal than the Word of God. But, I know that's what the Word is like. The real issue is, what's my desire like for that diet? Thomas Watson said, We should come to the Word with a holy appetite and a teachable heart. We should sit under the Word and we should soak it in and we should mingle it with faith. Don't you like that? Listen to that. Come to the Word with a holy appetite with a teachable heart, sit under the Word, soak it in, and mingle it with faith. In other words, you receive it, and you believe it. That's what 3,000 souls did on the day of Pentecost. They just fed themselves and did those things uh, that God had provided for them. So now, listen. There's a direct correlation between your intake of that pure spiritual milk of the Word of God and your spiritual growth. No intake, no growth. No diet, no growth. And so how do I go to getting the diet? Check your desire. What's my attitude like to the Word? And what's my appetite like for the Word of God? Peter tells me how I should be. So... How I start growing, how I keep on growing, my diet, my desires. And thirdly, what does that look like? What does a growing Christian actually look like? That brings me, thirdly, the marks of spiritual growth. What do I mean by marks? I mean, what are the distinguishing features of a growing Christian? What are the characteristics, the attributes of a growing Christian? So now I'm talking about the attributes. So first of all, when I talk about the means, I'm talking about what's available to me. When I talk about the method, I'm, what activity am I engaged in? But when I talk about the marks of spiritual growth, I'm talking about the attributes. What does it look like? What does a growing Christian actually look like? So I want you to turn to that other passage we read, 2 Peter chapter 3. So 2 Peter chapter 3. We'll begin here first. 2 Peter chapter 3. Look what he says. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Notice those two things, right? Grow in grace, number one, and grow in knowledge, number two. What do you mean, Peter? Well, when he says grow in grace, he is really making a reference to my likeness to Christ. Remember, Jesus, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Yet for your sakes, our sakes, he became poor, so that we through his poverty might be made rich. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. So when he says, grow in grace, that's what he's referring to. Grow in your likeness to Jesus. 
But then notice secondly, he says, grow in the grace <coughs> and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. What does he mean by knowledge? He means my learning. So notice I am to grow in my likeness to Christ and I am to grow in my learning of Christ. Now if you combine them, so I thought, well, how do I make it easy for myself? Right, so I combined them. Growing is simply my learning to be like Jesus. That's what I'm on the diet for. I'm learning to be like Jesus. The more intake of this pure spiritual milk, the more I grow in likeness and learning to Jesus Christ. This is Colossians chapter 1 verse 10, right? Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Notice these words, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. My grace, I mean grace, my likeness to Jesus, and knowledge, my learning of Christ. So, now I know two marks. What does a growing Christian look like? Growing in grace and the knowledge of Christ. Becoming like Christ and learning from Christ. Right, now will you turn to 2 Thessalonians. Uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. And look at verse 3. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 3. Uh, Paul says, We ought always... 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3. We ought, he says, always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly, and the love, or your love, the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. So, can we not say that if I want to know what does a growing Christian look like? Well, my faith, my faith, is growing abundantly. Not only that, my love, my affection for others is increasing. That's what Paul says. That's what he's praying for these Thessalonians. And he's giving thanks for them because that's exactly what they're like. So what is my faith? My faith is not the body of truth in this case. My faith is my dependence, my trust in the Lord. My daily application of believing and trusting the Lord. Well, what about my love? That's my affection for others. How can you be a Christian and not love others, right? How can you be a Christian and your faith, your trust in God, is not growing abundantly? So the question is, are you trusting God and are you loving others? Remember Ephesians 4 that we read, verses 15 and 16, I am to grow up into Christ by speaking the truth in love. And when the body builds itself up, it's building itself up in love. So check your faith. Do I trust the Lord? Check your love. Do you love the saints of God? There's another two marks, right? So now I know that grace, knowledge, faith, and love are evidences, marks, features of a growing Christian. Thirdly, let's go to Galatians chapter 6. <clears throat> Galatians chapter 6 and look at verse 9. So the last chapter of Galatians chapter 6. <clears throat> Galatians 6 verse 9. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So now he puts it this way, what I shouldn't be neglecting. What am I to not neglect in those verses? Serving. Doing good to others. Doing good to others. Do not grow weary. Don't go backwards. Don't give up, he says, of doing good, verse 9. My serving other people, verse 10. As I have opportunity, let us do good. Same word, 
same idea, my service. So my, go- my growth is reflected in my service. Are you serving Jesus? That's a growing Christian. A growing Christian is someone who serves Christ. Grace, knowledge, faith, love, service. Service that produces good works. Now go to Hebrews chapter 12. We're nearly done. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 3. Verse 3 of Hebrews 12. So, consider him, that's Jesus, consider Jesus, who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In other words, just stop for a moment and think of what Jesus went through. Think of his sufferings so that you won't give up. So that you will not grow weary or become faint-hearted. So consider Jesus. Now I ask myself, what did Jesus do and why did Jesus do it? Because I'm to think of him, consider him. So what am I to consider about Jesus? Right. So go back up one verse. Looking to Jesus, verse 2, founder, perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. So what did Jesus do? He endured the cross, and he despised the shame, and the consequence of that is he's seated at the right hand of God. But why did he do it? Look what the text says, verse 2, for the joy. For What was the motivation for Jesus? To endure the cross, despise the shame. The joy of it. The joy of it. So joy is a motivating factor in perseverance, in endurance, in patience. And by the way, perseverance, endurance, patience are all time-related, aren't they? Just like growth, time-related. Joy. And I want to suggest to you this morning that just like Jesus, a Christian is to reflect joy. Be a joyful person. In fact, a growing Christian is a joyful Christian. These are the marks of a growing Christian. There are many more. We stop right there, right? Grace, knowledge, faith, love, service, and joy. Right at this point, let me just give you one word of warning. One word of warning. You cannot grow as a Christian in your own strength. You cannot grow as a Christian by your own power. You will fail. You will fall. You will give up. You will abandon. You will walk away. You will do all kinds of things. Because you cannot do this in your own strength. You cannot grow by your own power. You have to use the means, the method, and the marks will be the result of it. I need the Lord's help, don't you? So let me show you one more passage. 2 Peter chapter 3 again. <clears throat> so 2 Peter chapter 3. And look at verse 3. Sorry. Uh, I've got the wrong verse. I meant to say chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. His divine power, that's God's power, has granted or given to us everything, all things that pertain to life and godliness. You see it? What do you get from God, from His power? Given to us everything that pertains to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence by which He has granted to us, given to us, same word, verse 3, has given to us His precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Just notice two things. Number one, God's power. And number two, God's promises. And then Peter says, you're a partaker of both. You're a partaker of the power of God and the promises of God. So here, His divine power, verse 3, has given me everything that I need for my life 
and for a godliness in my life. Not only that, verse 4, He has given to me all of His precious and very great promises so that I may escape being like the world and become a partaker of the nature of God. Or to put it another way, to become like Jesus. Which is where we started really, right? My likeness, my learning. So what do I have? What is available to me? First of all, God's available to me. And God has made available to me from Himself the great privileges of the Word of God, of praying, of fellowshipping, and of observing the ordinances of God. And what does that look like? I mean, what activity do I engage in? Well, my diet, right? The pure spiritual milk of the Word. And what about my desire for it? My attitude, my appetite for it, like a newborn babe, I long for it. I can't get enough of it. And what, is that, what does that work out into? It comes out in grace, comes out in knowledge, comes out in faith, comes out in love, comes out in service, and comes out in joy. So can you grow as a Christian? Yep. How are you going to do it? By God's power. And through God's promises. By God's power and through God's promises. So I say to all of us this morning, let us avail ourselves of what God has given. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for these great truths about what it means to grow as a Christian. Help each of us then, we pray, to be like Jesus, to learn from him, to take his yoke upon us, to rest in Him and to become transformed in this great process of growing. So feed us from Your Word. Increase our hunger and thirst. Give us a great desire for the Word of God and work Your great attributes of grace and knowledge and faith and joy and service and love in each one of us this morning. So Father, we are praying and we are asking that by your sovereign grace and power, according to the precious promises you have given us in your word, that you would transform us into the likeness and the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because that's what a growing Christian is like. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.